Welcome back to the Serious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez. Caitlin Hutchison. And today we're talking about two really different approaches to track meets that we saw this past weekend. I had the pleasure of being at On Track Nights, the sound running track fest that took place out at Mount Sac in Walnut, California. And Caitlin was out on the East Coast. So we had coast to coast coverage last week at the Atlanta City Games hosted by the Atlanta Track Club. So, Caitlin, how was your weekend? Oh, my God. It was a very eventful weekend. I will say that. Um, It was honestly very, very exciting. I've never been to a street meet before. I know it was in Boston before this year, but I never got a chance to go, even though I've been on the East Coast for like four years. Um, But overall, I just think the vibes were immaculate honestly it was nothing like i've ever experienced with any other track meet that i've been to mainly because the fans were like so close and connected to everything like i mean literally everyone was like lined up on the sides of the track only one side had a rail so i mean at any point if anybody wanted to they could have hopped up on the track and like ruined everything not that (laughs) we're encouraging that (laughs) no they were not encouraging this but you know that could have happened at any point but i i like the fact that you know, the atmosphere was so relaxed. Like, yes, everything was like super serious and like strict and tri- strict and tight. So that way nothing crazy did happen. But I think the fans really enjoyed the fact that they had an opportunity to be like almost face to face with some of their favorite uh, athletes, which is very different from what you see at regular track meets. So let's give some flowers to the people who deserve it. One, Atlanta Track Club. And I yes. had the pleasure of calling their half marathon just a couple months ago and Mm -hmm. they announced it back in January. I believe that they were going to take control of their own broadcast and put them up on YouTube. Um, The half marathon that I did was on the Atlanta track club YouTube. Mm -hmm. And this one was on the Adidas YouTube channel, which I thought was because like if they have 900,000 subscribers, I forget what the exact amount is, what that visitor has as soon as they log on to YouTube, one of those subscribers goes on there. Mm -hmm. They see that Adidas is live and it's really not all that common that these major brands go live from their respective YouTube channels. Mm -hmm. We saw the same exact thing um, at New Balance Nationals when New Balance was broadcasting the meet onto their uh, respective channel. And it was a long broadcast. Like when it, by the end of the day, it was like 11 or 12 hours uh, Mm -hmm. from each day at New Balance. But at the end, you get to see how many people viewed it. And then when it's in the hundreds of thousands, like that's a good sign of of people watching, whether it might be just to catch, you know, their friends or family racing. Um, It's, it's good. It it was very, it's easily accessible. Every single one of those athletes at that meet can share the link. And as soon as the person clicks, they're all immediately watching that a little bit of a barrier to entry has been, you know, the paywalls and, and we're not saying that we have to totally do away with that because, you know, we understand how certain businesses operate, but it is cool to see that when these brands or these event organizers try something different, it's direct to the consumer immediately. So Mm -hmm. The broadcast too was, was a little bit, uh, different. I mean, I think Harry Tollefson, uh, was the person who called the half marathon alongside me and does a lot of work with Atlanta track club. She's fantastic. Tim Hutchings, you know, who Mm -hmm. calls the diamond league races came out for the event. And then they had T on the (laughs) sidelines alongside. 
So let, let's talk about T for, for the listeners who may not be as familiar, Tierra Williams. She is an alum of the magic boost program and has been doing a lot of her own interviews and, and social media content over the past two years. And this is the first time she really jumped on a broadcast of this scale. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, crushed it with the, the, the ways yeah. that the athletes, you know, felt super comfortable with her. And, you know, it, in that moment, you really only have time for one or two questions. And I thought she did a really good job of, of getting to the heart of what was important. And at the same time, leaning into, you know, being very personable for, and, and the athletes can respond with their own personalities. Right. And I think it was, I was really excited for her mainly because she's like, well, I've never done anything like this. The only other time I did this was at Oregon a couple of weeks ago. And so she was like, I was really trying to get my feel like I messed up a couple of times, but, but you know, overall everybody loved it. And I'm like, girl, you're going to be fine because you're working alongside some of the biggest names in announcing history, not just, you know, track and field related. Um, So I think you're going to be fine. And she looked like she was really in her element out there, especially in terms of like what you were saying, asking the right questions. Like, I think I was in the, mix zone when uh Noah had just finished running and you could hear it over the speaker and her question was like um you clearly care about the sport so much like why is that so this that and the third because you put a lot of passion into it and I was just like like I was like you know what this is a perfect question like I wish I could ask him something like that so I think she was really in her element I think even though she didn't really think that she knew what she was doing she knew exactly what she was doing and nobody could tell that that was her first time out there it was honestly so great watching her shine I said girl this is your calling like you're gonna be all good don't even worry about it you see I love that too because like you know for for someone doing it for the first time like yeah you're gonna make mistakes along the way but you're only gonna yeah. learn each opportunity out there and mm-hmm. I love that you brought up that quote by Noah Lyles because he yeah. said I think it's like if I don't, who will, or something like that. Like yeah, if I don't, care that was his answer. Sport. Yeah. And you've probably seen this a lot too when you're scrolling on TikTok. Is just those sounds that have come out of like you know motivational podcasts, whether yeah. it's like someone sitting down with like <laughs> David Goggins or whatever it is. It's sort of like that ten to fifteen seconds of a hard quote, and mm-hmm. you set it to a little bit of music. I saw that the Track and Field Network Anson Henry's thing made yeah. a clip of that Noah Lyles quote. And now, you know, it's sort of like that these kids are going to be ripping reels and putting that, you know, yeah. sound over it. And so it really kind of what it originally stemmed from just that really cool, that really fast moment on the broadcast, mm-hmm. but it's going to have, you know, a longer shelf life beyond that. So, you know, on the broadcast side of things, that was really fun to see. And then when we were going to be jumping back and forth between what we had in LA and what we had in Atlanta, because, they were both very different and different is good when, you know, track and field has been stuck in its ways for the longest times that yeah. broadcast was headed by Jeff Merrill and the Tracklandia team. And I think, you know, Tracklandia has done, you know, a couple broadcasts over the last couple of years and they've been really fun. The commentary is, is a bit more relaxed, like you're hanging out with track and field fans. So it was Jeff and Shannon Robery. Um, and I guess when we talk about sort of those those paywalls that we brought up beforehand, this one was more of the pay-per-view model where you're not signing away immediately like $30 to watch one broadcast. And mm-hmm. um, instead, this was a one-time payment of six, uh, $5.99, six bucks. Mm-hmm. And you know, $4 of that goes towards the athletes through like a revenue sharing agreement. That's and so awesome. at, at the end of the day, you don't feel as bad about like, oh yeah, that cost me money. It costs you money, but it, you know, it went towards the Not athletes. And right. 
And so it's a, it's a give and a take there. So that's kind of what we saw at on the West Coast. And the other cool part, too, is that understandably, there are rights restrictions around a lot of mm-hmm. different meets when it gets, you know, to the higher levels with the world right. championships or an Olympics. But at both of these events, sort of, it was very welcoming to the younger creatives in the space to come yeah. out there, film some video, and maybe, you know, with the LA event, you had to wait 24 hours until after the meet was over to post it, um, just so it didn't, mm-hmm. like, it wasn't, you know, at the same exact time. Um, mm-hmm. And so, in Atlanta, it seemed like you could get video. It was up on YouTube. Um, and so that was just, you know, another sort of way where, yeah, I mean, you could be at the meet, but then at the same time, you're curating and creating your own content that's mm-hmm. going to come out um, and pushes, you know, the meet forward beyond just what people saw on the broadcast and whatever highlight comes out of that. So one cool component off of the track that came out of this weekend was the athlete walk-ins and th- I know yeah. that's what you want to talk about because oh my god we fir- saw the first couple glimpses of this when Noah Lyles was walking into the Milrose games and the New Balance mm-hmm. uh, indoor grand prix and the athletes were you know, he was dressed up for it and we've mm-hmm. taking a page of basically how we see you know Tom Brady mm-hmm. arriving to the <laughs> NFL stadium or LeBron yes. James showing up to an NBA playoff game. And it's all Mm -hmm. about the outfits. And even I follow enough like formula one accounts where there are dedicated Instagram pages for, you know, the athlete outfits that come out of it. So, you know, Hey, that shirt that, you know, this driver was wearing cost $400 and that chain was $6,000 and that watch was $20,000. And it it kind of really shows you that these stars are sports stars and they have money. And so they're going to mm-hmm. dress like it. Right. Track and track and field athletes, unfortunately don't have as much money. So <laughs> unless you're Noah Lyles. Cause he unless maybe you're Noah Lyles. Yeah. So <laughs> this one, you know, they, they did a couple photos during new balance nationals with the high school mm-hmm. athletes walking into the stadium and out in LA, they had the on athletes coming through into mm-hmm. the stadium, pretty dressed up. Now for you, this, the let's, let's go behind the scenes for, for the listeners here, a little bit organized by Noah, right? Yeah. So this is how I got roped into all of this. So he went on Twitter and he was like, you know, if you guys want to be a part of like these athlete walk-ins, because he was very dedicated to like making this a thing. And so me being the silly goose I am, I read quote tweeted it and I was like, I want to be a part of it, even though I'm not racing. But I didn't think like anything serious was going to come out of it. I was really just making a joke. And then he uh, replied and said, are you going to be doing media? Because if you are, then you could like, interview us met gala style and like talk to us about our outfits and i was like okay cool and i at first i didn't think anything about that either but then i was like nah like he's a very serious person so i'm gonna message him like either when i get to atlanta or like beforehand and ask him like when y'all plan on walking in and so my thought process was like he just has the people that comes and then i'm just gonna stand by the gate and then like hope for the best kind of thing and he messaged me and well, I messaged him. I asked him like what the details were. And he said, oh, like come by the hotel and like we're going to talk about all the specifics. And I'm like, I feel like this is getting way more serious than what I thought this was going to be. And so then he got me talking to Mark. I was talking to him. We were talking to Jay, like all the important people. I was like, oh, snap. Like this is some real shit. So he's like, all right, cool. So they got me like all these passes. So that way I could be everywhere without getting clocked by security. You got your like, infinity stones of credentials. <laughs> 
I literally sent them to Chris. I got the got the VIP pass. I got the media pass, and then the athlete support. I'm sitting here like I can go anywhere, and can't nobody tell me nothing. Obviously, I wasn't gonna abuse that power, but it was just so cool because y'all already know. Last year, when I was first getting into all of this. You know, credentialing for Caitlin was a nightmare. So um, it was just really cool to like have Noah vouching for me because like I said, he takes things very serious in terms of how he wants to elevate this sport. So knowing that he trusted me enough to like take care of this was, I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm doing this. I'm being a big girl now. Um, And so essentially we were talking for a while, walked over to the track and we were like, look, athletes are going to come through this door right here, or going to come through this gate right here they're going to walk through they're going to get their pictures taken they're going to walk a couple more steps get interviewed by you and they're going to go about their day or take more pictures or do autographs and stuff I mean like we had a whole picture in our head about like how all of this is going to go down and it didn't go like the overall vibe was there but I think that we just like expected a little more like you know as like we wanted um like fans like running over to them and like asking for their autograph because he thought that would have been like pretty cool and like obviously that didn't happen they didn't have the passes. Just, <laughs> yeah they didn't have the passes but obviously it was still really cool at the end of the day um I think we planned for like wanting to have more photographers but that didn't necessarily happen either but shoot with the two or three people that we did have out there I think all the pictures and stuff came out really really nice um and yeah overall it was a great time like the athletes enjoyed it I think our goal for next time is like just have more people because when me and Noah were asking people a lot of folks were like oh maybe or like they were saying yes and they would back out or like Grant was supposed to do it too but he has he had to go like do something with the hurdles so I'm like you know I ain't mad at you now but next time be on you but it was just a lot of stuff that was up in the air I think it's because it's something new that athletes were thinking like I don't really know or like how is it going to play into my schedule of like making sure that I'm ready to like compete and that I'm focused and all that other stuff but I think the more that we continue to make it organized um by the time the end of the year comes around hopefully maybe even in Budapest if you know world athletics gets on the wave then we'll have like an overall structure that people can implement at their meets so that way more athletes actually want to get involved because obviously I'm not going to be at every meet. Noah's not going to be at every meet. Sidious isn't going to be at every meet, but we don't want this just to be like where we are. Like we want this to kind of, I guess, transcend the sport as we like to say. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you add a little bit more pressure to these athletes to make sure that they pack, you know, a really nice outfit. And I, and I feel yeah. like maybe in that last minute scramble, there were some athletes like, well, I only pack like my warmups and stuff, but Boom, hey. cause look, cause you're but in like, the middle of Atlanta. Like, come on. Also, Anna Hall packs like eight bags for all the different events that she does. And, and she's come still on. packing an outfit. <laughs> right. It's one outfit. And even still, like, even if you do only want to come in your warm up and be comfortable, like you don't, the warm-ups look nice too. Like when Solera and Aaliyah came in, Aaliyah was decked out in that all black. I thought that was fire. Even Ebony Morrison from um from Liberia, that all bluish purple like fit that she had on. I thought that was really cute. And so I think it's about people finding their own style and what they're comfortable with. And like, I don't want to say not take it too seriously, but don't think it's that deep, if you know what I'm saying. Like if you are one of those people who likes to be more comfortable than like, Come in wearing your warm up that you know you feel like you look flying. Or if you want to be like Noah or somebody else, or even TT Terry, because I saw her um kind of do a similar thing in Nairobi for this weekend. Um, but if that's just who you like, just come in looking good. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. All right. Yeah, I hope we we see more of that. 
As an avid runner, I've been using the Forerunner series from Garmin for years, and they're back as a sponsor of the Sidious Mag podcast, introducing the Garmin 965, the ultimate GPS running and triathlon smartwatch with a bright AMOLED touchscreen display and a lightweight titanium bezel. This premium watch is designed for athletes who demand the very best. Wake up to your morning report with HRV status and get insights into your health, including an overview of sleep, recovery, and training outlook. The training readiness feature lets you know when you're primed for a productive session, while daily suggested workouts adapt to your performance and recovery. The Race Widget provides training tips, course details, and completion time predictions to help you prepare for that next big event. With multi-band GPS and full-color built-in maps, you can confidently navigate any route, and with traditional buttons and a touchscreen display, it's easy to tap into your training status and know whether you're training productively, peaking, or strained. The Forerunner 965 offers up to 23 days of battery life in smartwatch mode, so you can stay focused on your training without worrying about running out of power. And if you're pushing to outshine the competition, this watch is there to light up every run. Other exciting features for the Forerunner 965 include wrist-based running dynamics, safety and tracking features, and Garmin Pay. With 32 gigabytes of internal memory, you can also download hours of music and podcasts to your wristwatch, including playlists from Spotify and episodes of the Sidious Mag podcast. So get ready to train brilliantly with the Forerunner 965 from Garmin. Order yours today and start logging those miles with Garmin. Now let's let's dive into a little bit of the action. Now, the meet out in LA was just sort of like your traditional track meet, a couple, mm-hmm. you know, B sections of the 1500, the 5K to start off the night. And then from then on, like that's when you get to sort of like the real heart of it was two hours worth of really yeah. strong fields. It was World Athletics silver label. So there were like ranking points on the line and mm-hmm. um, it was a good chance to get some qualifying marks for Budapest. And yeah, I mean, like from then on, it was your traditional track meet. And then after a while, it was banger after banger after banger of a, mm-hmm. of a race out in Atlanta. How, did you get the vibe that this felt a little bit different one? I guess like there was the component they were running off distances and it yeah. started off with a road mile and then a road 600 that all ended mm-hmm. on the makeshift track that they had. Yeah. So I definitely felt like there was a different vibe, but not in a bad way, definitely more in a good way, mainly because it wasn't traditional. And I think if we have the opportunities to kind of get outside of our comfort zone, um, that just makes it more appealing to the fans as well, because I mean, obviously, you know, having the world lead and like the 150 doesn't really mean anything because, you know, you can't, you're not going to run the world, fi- the 150 at Budapest. Like, that's not how that works. But I think it's just the fact that the way that it's set up, fans can look at it. They can, they have like the perfect view of everything. I just think overall, it just made it more accessible for them. And it gave them something else to be excited about that wasn't necessarily traditional about track and field. And like, like you said, like this sport is a lot about tradition, but I think if we can sometimes think about having fun, which is what this is like, if you're running a 600 or a 150 or anything, that's not a traditional race, like it's really about having fun or even for the athlete, just like getting some extra work in. And so if the athletes can just be like, Hey, I'm here to have fun. Then maybe the fans casual and non-casual can be like, okay, like I'm here to have fun too. Like I want to be a part of a sport that's not just so caught up in doing everything the way that it's supposed to be done. Well, it's also like the perfect time for it. Like it's early May. 
Diamond right. League season started off the same weekend. And, mm-hmm. you know, the first one was out in Doha. Not everyone is going to make that trip. And so mm-hmm. timing wise, like late April, early May is like the time yeah. for it because, yeah, I mean, most of these stars are going to start heading off to Rabat and mm-hmm. to Paris and to Italy, Oslo to, yeah, to hit all of is. these meets. And so you don't want to schedule this at a time when no one's going to be able to show up and Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we almost thought that was gonna happen though, because yeah. we—I don't think anybody real. Well, we knew that Doha was the same weekend, but also the coronation was the same day or something. And everybody was like, "Who planned this?" I mean, we still had a great time. Like, don't don't get me wrong, but it was just when you realize how much stuff was going on that weekend, like your brain was just swimming around in circles. Would you have rather been at the coronation, Caitlin? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I would have rather been on the track running at the. <laughs> Adidas City Games. That's what I would have wanted to do. But yeah, no, would have rather been in Atlanta. Well, I guess like, you know, for the fans who may not, you know, think of some of these things, the other way you guarantee that athletes are there is because they're contractually obligated to be there. I mean, we saw that (laughs) too. Like, it was a lot of Adidas athletes. Very obvious. Like, this is also a marketing event for the brand. And so Mm -hmm. when you have all those athletes out there, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, was it like, 80 90 percent of the wins all by adidas athletes probably i mean pretty much and there was barely a time when you looked at the track like and there wasn't somebody that was wearing adidas i mean gabby thomas new balance true um dang that's the only person i remember that was (laughs) if i'm being right it's the only person i remember but i mean there were obviously other sponsors there but like you said it was really a marketing event for adidas but i'm honestly glad that they did it because um, I remember back in at the Armory at Millrose when we were having like a little think tank and we were like, well, how can we do all these extra events and get people to buy in? And I think stuff like this makes it perfect because one of my ideas was like, you know, Adidas versus Nike meter, something like that, where it scored just a lot of fun. Like, you know how this was earlier on in the professional season, somewhere around that time. So people, you know, have time to focus on getting the marks that they need for uh, world championships in the Olympics. But I mean, if you're showing that Adidas athletes are really dominant and they're one on meet, and then Nike decides that they want to do the same thing, I feel like eventually y'all just going to have to come together and like show who's really boss and all of this. Um, So I'm, I'm glad they did this because you never know what ideas might be circling. And with the success that happened here, I mean, shoot, you, you don't know what's going to come next. Well, I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, they're going to go head to head at the U.S. championships and all the other brands will be involved. But, you know, sometimes a dual meet, if we're talking about dual meets, we see them at the college Mm -hmm. level. Like, yeah, it could be something interesting. And uh, Mm -hmm. similarly, on the West Coast, it was an odd. Like we were (laughs) we were there with on. We're an official media partner for the on track night series. Mm -hmm. And most of those races were run. They were won by on athletes. You had Yard and a Goose (laughs) in the 800. (laughs) You had Sage Herta Klecker in the women's 1500. It Courtney Wayman come so close to the victory, but was up in the front of the race for a long time in the women's steeplechase. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was another opportunity for, for on to show off, you know, how good their spikes are and how cool the kits look. And so, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, these brands are pouring money into these events and it, it doesn't feel like they're grassroots anymore like sound running took off during 2019 to that like 2020 around that time Mm -hmm. and at the very beginning it was just kind of a place for athletes to go and run fast and now that it's 
legit that they're going to run fast and get these qualifying times and perform each right. time out the brands are like well we want to have our branding all over you know that particular event so uh, it's good to see like that investment in in the sport on on both sides there on both mm -hmm. and we're we're talking sprints and and distance so it's really right. cool. Um, one thing that Atlanta didn't have I think was uh, a live musical performance or am I wrong? Oh, I saw, I saw they did not have a live musical performance. We had fireworks, but no music. Yeah, we had a performance by Chloe Abbott to open. Uh, and she was awesome. Famous from yes, running well at Kentucky and <laughs> and being an on sprinter, but also mm -hmm. most recently on The Voice. Yes. And then she opened for Super Duper Kyle, which like I feel like there was like a general confusion around the track. It was like yeah. Kyle Merber's performing tonight, and it's like no, it's the much more cooler Kyle is going to be on. The stage. much more and, cooler Kyle is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's like Super Duper Kyle, and then there's just like track regular, regular Kyle. Kyle yeah but no it's cool holding kyle yeah he's the world record holder i guess like uh super duper kyle can't say that uh, yeah unfortunately i didn't get to enjoy the concert because we had to work through it like what? The, yeah so the broadcast was going on and then mm -hmm. you know during that one hour of the uh broadcast when there were those musical performances mm -hmm. i guess like technically you're not able to stream that there must be some sort of rules and all yeah. that stuff but and said we had to hold it down and basically did like the equivalent of a halftime show where we were doing interviews with athletes. We were doing race breakdowns with everyone, right. um, kind of replaying the race finishes and having them walk us through it. So the hardest part with all that was just kind of being able to hear ourselves as we're sitting down with the athletes because we were literally like maybe yeah know, 50 meters away from Super Duper Kyle, who's like performing I Spy at the top of his lungs. Mm -hmm. And we're just trying to figure out like, how impressive a final 212 800 for the women's five <laughs> and so you it, it was fun though like there was uh coach Diljeet taylor from byu who i just put out the sidious mac yeah. podcast episode with she was like in the the mix with the athletes <laughs> enjoying the concert so it looked like everyone had a good time there was also um a beer garden there which it's sort of mm -hmm. like everyone's kind of always spoken and said like oh you introduce a little bit of alcohol at a track meet like it's gonna draw a couple fans and so oh yeah not draw in Atlanta. it's like it's not like anyone's flocking to the track meet just to have a drink there's, but it's like liquor at the meet let's go <laughs> it enhances the experience overall and so there were food trucks and all of it was like yeah. covered by the 15 dollars price of admission so you got tickets mm -hmm. at the door that got you into the meat and then you hand them over and get yourself a burger or some dim sum or mm -hmm. um, like there were just plenty of options there. So I liked that component to it too. Now, yeah, the hardest part was Mount Zach is a really difficult stadium to fill and mm -hmm. it's 45 minutes from downtown LA. So yeah, that's a hard part. And also at the same time, there were, I guess like the California high school championships were taking place on the right. same day. So there was a couple of factors leading into just why it was harder for fans to attend in person. But I would also kind of throw in this caveat that while maybe on the broadcast there were, you know, some shots of the crowd and it looked kind of sparse in sections. I think that also it was the location of the beer tent and the food trucks that there were so many people huddled around there, which is right on like the first curve yeah. and you could still watch the finish that it was like, oh, people were actually hanging out there and they were blocked by this huge jumbotron that they have. So, yeah. um, 
there were more people there than maybe you saw on the broadcast. So um, that it was it was overall a really fun night um, just to really give people a quick recap of what happened. Josette Andrews, 1443 for 5K for the win. It was a really strong field, and that's a big step forward for her. Your girl, Caitlin Tui with the NCA yeah. outdoor 5K record in 1503. We, we, we saw Connor Burns break the high school uh, 5K mm-hmm. record that it stood by Galen Rupp. Um, and we saw world lead in the men's steeplechase by BYU's Kenneth Rooks, which came out of nowhere, mm-hmm. surprise to everybody. Chrissy Gear won the women's steeplechase in a really nasty kick that, like, you know, yeah. first steeple since 2021, no one really saw coming. Yard to Goose took it to the 800 meter specialist, took the win in 146. And then on the women's side, 2019 world champion Halima Nakai won uh, just ahead of Claire Seymour, just a tad bit over mm-hmm. two minutes. And then, you know, in the 10Ks, Fiona O'Keefe running mostly solo for the whole thing uh, was came out with a personal best in 31 minutes. And then we saw a South African national record from Adrian Wheelshut um, in the men's side. And I think I forgot the 1500s, which was, uh, who was it? It was Sage Hurtaclecker mm-hmm. pressed on for the win after taking the lead in the final lap and held on. And then it was, who won the, oh, Rob Heppenstall, who was like a late addition to the men's race, won the men's 1500. So overall, super fun night of action. We have a ton of interviews on the City Smack YouTube channel if people want to go and check those out. Now, Caitlin, what were the highlights for you out in Atlanta? The highlights. The first one was the mascot race <laughs> that happened. Um, I'm so serious. That was like absolutely hilarious. And I loved it because I'm all for doing whatever, you know, silly mess you got to do to make sure that fans are involved. So definitely the mascot race is at the top of my list. Um, but I also want to say, and I'm not being biased, but that men's 150 was absolutely amazing to watch, mainly because Noah, he's always going to put on a show. But um, the little pew pews going on at the end, like, I just remember when everybody got livid at him last year when he, like, pew pew towards Arion because he said he was shooting not at him but at the at the time clock but everybody was living at him on Twitter so I'm like you just shot like three or four people like they about to eat you up and like there were so many people on social media saying he needs to be sanctioned they're gonna find him this and the third I'm like this is track and field okay we don't got all the regulations if you can't deal with it then I don't know what to tell you but I just thought that, that was really funny just because you can tell that he is all about being a showman whether some people agree with what he does or not um and then I will also say my other really big highlight from the weekend would be Tamari Davis winning that 150 I think a lot of people um expected Gabby to be the winner not that anyone's mad about how all of that went down but we've talked a lot about Tamari Davis all year and how she's really been putting her foot down and so when I got a chance to talk to her I was telling her you know like you went pro when you were 16 um, you were really young. You had to develop mentally and physically before you were able to, you know, really be a force to be reckoned with. And this year, I feel like is the year that she's came. She showed out and she showed that every single time she steps on that track, she don't care who's with her. She is going to make sure um, that people understand that she is here and she's ready. And she almost made the team last year. She got fourth, I believe. Um, she was in the relay pool. <clears throat> They didn't use her on the on the prelims or the finals, unfortunately. But I think now with this year winning the 150 against Gabby Thomas, um, running seven O's indoor, um, 
I think she just ran like a 10 8, a 10 89 or 10 90 something um, against Aaliyah Hobbs a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so, you know, she's really doing her thing. And I think just seeing her shine and seeing her really come into her element as a professional athlete was definitely one of the highlights of the weekend. So, are you a runner looking for high performance and quality apparel that also embodies a relaxed and fun attitude? Well, look no further than Sky. Established in Copenhagen in 2013 by former pro windsurfer Lars Peterson, Sky is on a mission to bring a fresh perspective to the running apparel industry. What sets Sky apart from other brands is their dedication to supporting sub-elite athletes, or as they call them, everyday heroes. These are the people who are juggling work, friends, and family, but still find the time and dedication to train hard and have fun along the way. Say Sky celebrates this mentality and aims to be a bridge between the amateur level and the elite level runners. If you go on their website, you immediately get the fun vibe from their clean Scandinavian and streetwear inspired prints. I've worn their flower combat t-shirt on runs, gotten a bunch of compliments on it, no big deal. It's decked out with a blooming hibiscus flower pattern that is moisture wickening and quick drying. Their clean combat singlet in black and navy blue is also regular in my training rotation. And now as a special offer, for Sidious Mag Podcast listeners, SaySky is offering a 15% off discount code that applies to all customers worldwide. Simply use code Sidious15 at checkout to take advantage of this great deal. So whether you're a seasoned runner or just starting out, choose SaySky for the perfect combination of performance, quality, and fun. Visit SaySky.us, that's S-A-Y-S-K-Y dot U-S, to view all of their collections today. All right, so that's what took place at both those meets now caitlin while i have you i feel like i want to touch on two other big sprint topics Mm -hmm. that are out there um because we had the doha diamond league take place over the weekend Mm -hmm. shakari richardson (laughs) talk to me tell me about her i was so excited for her because i feel like she's been in a lot of people's mouths like negatively (laughs) for the past um Actually, ever since she graduated from LSU or no, ever since she went pro from LSU, because I don't I don't know if she graduated or not. That's not my business. Anyway, ever since then, everybody's always had something to say about her. And, you know, not that you have to agree with everything that, you know, she says or that she does. Sometimes you can't just help but to still want to root for her because it's like somebody said this on TikTok. It's like her being rolled just doesn't that it doesn't it doesn't feel right because of how dominant that she was back at LSU, like the confidence that she had about herself. Just just everything about her as a person was just like you literally have no choice but to be great. Not because we're putting pressure on you, but it's just like that's just how you're set up. Like as a person, that's just how you're wired. And so for her to go through those times where she like either where, you know, the whole scandal with like not being able to go to the Olympics, um, you know, some of the stuff that she posts on social media, how she particularly handles um, how she speaks to people, just a whole bunch of other stuff that she's kind of gotten backlash for. It's just, you know, at some point I feel like she's going to break out. I don't know when, hopefully it's sooner rather than later. And, you know, this past weekend, everybody thought Sharika was going to win the race, but I told y'all like two weeks ago, I said, no, like she carry got it. I don't know how she got it. But she gonna do it. Like I'm, I'm just saying. And she ended up winning. And I think what was amazing about the race is that she looked so calm, cool, and collected. She was very patient with her race strategy. And the top end speed that we all know and love her for really came up, really showed out. And she was able to take over Sharika, the world champion. So, you know, it's just really amazing seeing her like do her thing. 
Um, unfortunately, there was a whole thing about her not being able to race in I forgot which country it is. It was Botswana. Like, she was supposed to run yeah. the hundred, and then she said she got like kicked off from it or yeah. something like that. They said she got kicked off. I don't really know how that works, but Tiana Bartoletta um, also said that that's happened to her before in the 60 in particular, and that she got pissed and ran the world lead like the week after. So I don't really know what's going on behind closed doors and all the politics, but you know it's uh, it's unfortunate that she was um, expected to race this weekend. I think against Shelly as well. I, everybody was waiting for, we've been waiting for this race, like an actual race between these two for, I don't know how long. So it's very unfortunate and a little suspicious that it's not happening, but it's cool. Hopefully we get to see it at some point later, um, in the season and hopefully even at the world championships. But, uh, I think she carries doing really well. She seems a lot more um, composed than what she's been in years or seasons past. So I think this might this might be her season. I'm telling you, I even said the same exact thing a couple of weeks ago. Remember when you were yeah. giving me sort of like a little crapper? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm anti-fashion. I'm not anti-fashion. It was just sort of like <laughs> she's checked so much more of that stuff at the door. Right. And is letting her performances really speak for themselves. And mm-hmm. so. Even go back a couple more weeks before that on our <laughs> predictions episode. I said Shakira Richardson's making this team. Yeah. I'm feeling real good. I'm feeling really, really good right now. I'm team Shakira in all of this. Uh, and I can't wait. Like, we're, we're, I mean, Aaliyah Hobbs is still running super well. Yeah. USA Women's 100. It's going to be so tough. See, this is why I need this year. For one of them to get gold. Like, I know it's going to be hard, but I told you I feel like Aaliyah is going to be the person to break up Jamrock. But still, I need one of them girls to come home with gold. So that way we're not sitting here like, damn, like who's going to get left off the roster this year? And, you know, obviously there's still opportunities to be on that four by one. But we even saw with Tamari Davis, like she was in the pool, but still didn't get an opportunity to race um, in any of the trials or the finals. So, it's just going to be really difficult. It's going to make me sad. But, you know, if one of y'all can take one for the team and just just make it happen, we won't have to worry about these things in the future. I love it. I mean, it really kind of did put it into perspective after seeing, like, the tributes pouring in for uh, Tori Bowie after, you know, right. she passed away. Hey, I guess, like, the stat was thrown out there. She's the last American woman to win 100-meter gold mm-hmm. at the World Championships. Yes. It's like, that was 2017. Like, we're, we're due um but at the same time at the same time it's it jamaica has this on lock this is this is their event and it has been for the last couple of years that Mm -hmm. they're none of them look like they're retiring soon no no so that's going to be the hardest part but luckily our stars are young and and that's 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 a step forward okay the other thing do you think that like um let's say because I, I feel like Shelly might, because Shelly's almost 40. I feel like in about five years, she's probably going to be done with her her time in the sport. You don't think you she's like Tom like, Brady, who's like running until 45? <laughs> she's running until she's like 50 or something and still kicking everybody's ass. But do you feel like in the next, let's say like five to seven years, that America could be back on top for the Women's 100? Yes. Because like so much can happen in five to seven years. Like, I know, but they've been kicking our ass for the past five to seven years. So I don't know. Like they they've been they've had it on lock for a very long time. So I'm just wondering if you think that that dynasty is going to continue or if you feel like our girls are just going to pull it together. Yeah, I mean, like the hardest part is like even acknowledging and looking at who the top stars at the NCA level are, because that maybe gives you a little bit of an indicator. 
And it's like Julian Alford doesn't run for the United States. And so it's like, right. that's another big name to that. She doesn't run for Jamaica watch. either. So. so yeah, baby, we're both wrong in, in the sense that, oh yeah, it's neither Jamaica nor the United States at the top of the podium. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm patriotic enough that I will say, yes, we will <laughs> have a win in the women's hundred in the next five to seven years. Nice. Um, what about you? I mean, you, you posed the question to me. Um, I want to say yes, but Jamaica is just so scary when it comes to the sprints. It's not that I don't think our girls can do it, but it's just one of those things where I feel like we're going to get our moments, but it's always going to be rocking back and forth. Like, I don't ever think that we're going to go like an extended period of time where we're winning every single major championship for multiple years in a row. I feel like we're going to get our opportunities to have one or two people on top, but then like the next year it might switch because like you said, it might be Julian Alfred at the next, at the podium. It, it might not be Jamaica or America on top at this point with all the other foreigners that we've seen yeah. um, kind of uh, whoop butt at the top of the podiums at NCAA. So I don't think we'll have like a dynasty. I think we'll just have those pockets throughout the next five or seven years where like we have somebody like Tori Bowie who, you know, takes it all or is up there on the podium, but then it might shift back to somebody else, either Jamaica or another country. Yeah. I mean, like I'm I'm just trying to think of like the uh the high schoolers right now that we saw mm -hmm. at Bounce right. Nationals, like a Deja Hodge or uh, mm -hmm. Singa, like they're not running for the United States either. So it's like some right. of these arts are, are already committed to, to running for other countries and potentially at world championships, even this year. And that experience right. is going to mean something down the road. A quick break now to tell you about you can, are you getting back into a training routine with some spring and summer races on the calendar? Then make sure you're fueling properly with you can, you can energy powders, gels, and bars utilize steady release carbs instead of sugar. So you won't experience the highs and lows in energy. I've used you can's edge energy gel to fuel some of my recent long runs, but it's not just the everyday athletes who can trust you can top marathoners like Emily Sisson, Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, and Emma Bates all rely on UCAN to fuel their training and races. In fact, Emma just fueled her fifth place finish in Boston with just one edge gel every 5k and felt strong the entire race without experiencing any GI distress. UCAN's award-winning energy gels last longer than other gels and provide a more consistent feeling of energy. And with zero sugar, they're not too thick or sweet, and you don't have to chase them down with water. Right now, UCAN is offering the Sidious Mac community an exclusive chance to try six energy samples for free. All you have to do is pay the cost of shipping. Head on over to UCAN.co slash Sidious to claim this exclusive offer. And if you're already a fan of UCAN and want to try some of the other products, use code Sidious at UCAN.co to save 20% off the full variety of products. So say goodbye to the sugar crash and hello to consistent energy with UCAN. Visit youcan.co slash Sidious to claim your free edge samples today. Okay, one more big overarching uh, sprints news that we have to talk about today. Mm -hmm. Woke up to the news. June 2nd, <laughs> Fred Curley versus Marcel Jacobs is happening at the Florence Diamond League. First time they're going head to head since the Olympic final in Tokyo. Yep. Now here's a caveat. They're not alone. It's not a it's not a one v one matchup. No, it's not. 
I think all these graphics are being a little disrespectful to our boy Trayvon Burmell and leaving they say him. He's the underdog, but him and Fred have the same PR and they're both faster than Marcel. So what are y'all talking about? I think Marcel would finish third in this race. He is going to finish third. Like, no, like no shame, but you run nine, eight. And when the last time you ran nine, eight? let me stop. Cause I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble. Um, but keep going, Caitlin, two, lean into it. Keep going. My other, my other two boys run nine seventy six. So like, what are you like? What are like, what are, I don't know what he thinks is going to happen, but I think that's why some people are mad that Trayvon's in the race. Like I'm not mad. Cause I mean, two Americans, like not only do you have Fred beating you, but you're going to have Trayvon beating you too. Maybe it's going to make you shut up a little bit, but anyway, it's just like, you're gonna like you're gonna get beat and i think that's why people are mad because they want to see i don't know they just wanted to see the head-to-head between fred and marcel and so like when you have trayvon in there too it's kind of like well we didn't really want him i'm like you don't think that having two americans roll over this boy is not going to be entertainment y'all are crazy i want marvin in it i want marvin in it so let's get three on bring everybody who's supposed to be there in it like like we were just saying, the women don't duck from each other, especially in the hurdles. Everybody's been racing each other every single meet. But y'all ducking from each other because y'all so concerned about where the money at. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be concerned. I mean, you got to like you got to eat, you got to pay your bills, what you got to do. But like Noah was saying um, in the interview I did with him, he was like, I'm cool with with, with the 1v1s and all that other stuff because I'm not in it looking for the money. I just want to race. Like, because... At the end of the day, because like I said, he he looked privileged. You know, he he got his money. He got worried about that. But it's I still like what he has to say. It's like it's about the competition. Like the money's gonna follow. If y'all stop ducking each other, we won't have to worry about these things. Y'all so worried about the logistics. Like let's just race, and then we can get everything else t- taken care of later. I think the only thing that they should be concerned about is that. Yeah, everyone's been talking about a potential one v one because they're trash talking each other, and they've been you know kind of you know, throwing this out there on social media for the last couple weeks, mm-hmm. but there's only going to be a shelf life on that until June 2nd. And then like, maybe it takes a little bit of the spice off of them potentially facing off for yeah. world championship medals at worlds. Um, because if he gets his ass handed to him, then it's like, no one would pay for a pay-per-view of just the one V one after that. Exactly. So exactly. in a way, like, yes, we're going to have our questions answered as to who is the world's fastest man. And then I, you know, I would say that it maybe gives us a better indicator of how it's going to go in Budapest because like, well, one, we need both of them to show up to this race. Mm -hmm. I would say the likelihood of it happening would be 70% right now, mainly because we're less than a month away and they just announced it today. I don't, I really hope it's not just like a ploy to pump up ticket sales. Personally, I'm not. I, I don't because somebody on Twitter was mad at somebody else for saying, like, I don't think it's going to happen because in their mind, they're like, you can't we can't continue to hype up one V ones or like these racists if we're also going to continue to be negative behind it. So I want to be hesitant to be like, I don't think I'm going to be honest, like, I don't think it's going to happen. But if we being 100 percent honest, like I don't think it's going to happen because I think we both think the same person won't show up. Yeah, but I'm gonna let's y'all, say the name. Know. Let's let's say the name on three. One, all right, two, three. Jacobs. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't think he's coming. And you know, if he ever listens to this, just know, like I don't dislike you. I think you're a great. No, person. it's not. It's just like he's just very much like 
every single the only time we've seen him show up to a final that he wasn't a hundred percent was maybe the European Championships, and he lost. Yeah, the- before that like- last summer, he had an injury pop up in the semifinals of the of the hundred, which mm-hmm. I think he did advance, and then just chose not to run. Um, right. Like he, he never got knocked out. He just was just like, I'm banged mm-hmm. up, I can't do it. But at the same time, it's like, or maybe you just watch Fred throw down in the semis and you're just like, I can't beat that right now. So he's just like, I think he's garnered a little bit of a rep that he's not going to show up unless like he's in top form. Oh, yeah. And he I had think- Bianca Knight oh. mad about it. He had like, she was in those Twitter comments. She was like, listen, she, I, don't, I don't even remember what she said. I don't know. She was mad. She was like, I don't even trust this to happen. Oh, she was saying like, why I'm gonna pay for this if I know Buddy's not gonna show up? Like, let's all be serious right now. I'm like, oh, she's a little feisty about this. <laughs> she yeah. got a point. Um, but I think another thing that what you were saying, just on like the whole topic of one v ones, um, or like going like head to head competitions or like seeing our best race against each other more frequently, I think a lot of track and field fans are reluctant to want to believe that this stuff is gonna happen because. I mean, even we saw it with Tara and Q. We've been let I on mean, way like, too many times. Exactly. It's just like, it's always somebody that is going to like not, like like no matter how much you bring it or make it serious, like somebody's always going to back out or people are just going to be like, well, I'm more focused on worlds. Or I'm more focused on whatever. And like, that's cool. But also when we continue to complain about, the sport not being what we want to be and like waiting for the people above us to change it. Like we can't wait for that. So if you got somebody who's willing to throw down $15,000 just for you to jump one day, like, come on. And my other thing is too, is like, you never know what these one v ones can turn into. Okay. Y'all competing against each other. Um, You was the one talking mess, but you get beat. I mean, you still got USAs and all these other meets to get your lick back. Like you can always turn this into something or like flip the script to like, make it still make you look good whether you win or lose double it double it and and double or nothing the second time around (laughs) double it and give it to the next person um but like there's just i think we professionals just have to stop being scared and like i said i know money is a really huge thing i understand that but if we want to make the sport what we want to make it you gotta make a couple sacrifices like i'm not saying you know blow your rent money and all that other stuff like make sure you're being smart about it but even in the situation with Tara versus Q, like you got your flight paid for and you got 15000 on the line. You, you ain't losing nothing. The only thing you might lose is the is is a the is competition. Exactly. But shoot, my th- if it was me, I'm showing up anyway. Cause you never know what's gonna happen to the other person. 15000 <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I, I you can bruise my ego for fifteen thousand dollars. Exactly. Like, come on. And listen, like I said, if I lose, I get my lick back because it's early on in the season. There's all these other opportunities for me to like meet these other people again. So I don't know. That's a whole different conversation for another day. But no, I love it. I love that. I got you fired up there. Um, So we're publishing this podcast on Wednesday right after the lap count has released. So we do have news on the Tara versus Quinesha Burke's front. They will be going head to head. Um, They'll be going head to head at uh the bermuda games i believe and i think that's next weekend same weekend as the track night nyc so while there was an opportunity for the two of them to duel it out just them uh at track night nyc 
they're opting to go to Bermuda, which I believe was originally in Quenisha Burks's plans. And then Tara was in to do it in New York, but she, it, it, after there was no response from Q, she's just going to go to Bermuda. And she said, that, I'm just, if you're not going to answer, I'm going to just show up. Well, also, too, but the problem, and but there's not $15,000 on the line. It'll be just whatever it is, $2,000, whatever you get for winning that meet. But but I feel like then, like, just losing your pride and no money, like, damn. Well, like, that just makes it worse. But it I, does. I feel like, I feel like if she going, if Tara's going to pop up to, I guess, Q's territory, even though it's either one of their territory, but if she going to pop up on her, I feel like we should still hype it up. I mean, yeah. so I feel like Tara would still be down to be like, yeah, like I'm I'm pulling up to your city to like, let's get it cracking. But even if there's no money involved, any of that other stuff, I think even like as fans on like a social media team or like whatever, if we see that these things are happening, like we don't got to wait for them to hype it up. Like we could do it too. So. Right. So I would encourage people to read Tara's interview in the lap count. She's got lots of things to say about that, about the suspension she just served, the uh, world-leading time, uh, world-leading mark that she threw down this past weekend. It's uh, it's a good one. So check it out at thelapcount.com. Uh, yeah, so it's track season's in full swing, Caitlin. And, uh, you know, I, one, you're serving as a fashion correspondent one day. <laughs> track and field analyst the next day, then you're scouring the internet and compiling the beef and putting it all together yes. so that people uh, know what's going on. And I'm still at practice running. So that way I can maybe one day be in the middle of all the mess. Like eh, I'm doing a lot. Doing I think lot. people should root for you and your athletic uh, career so that when you break through into these, you know, <laughs> pro ranks, you can be the one stirring the pot. <laughs> And like, it's, just listen, be the master shit talker. I would listen. I'm just, I'm just letting y'all know when my time come, y'all gonna be sick. And it's crazy because, like, every like, it's getting to the point to where people don't know me for going to Kentucky anymore. They know me because of like the media stuff I was doing. Because I talked to Kenny, and Kenny was like, "You go to Kentucky?" Because I had my book bag going. I was, and Solera looked at her. She's like, "Duh, girl, she go to Kentucky. Like, she go to our school." She's like. I didn't know you for somebody who was on the team. I knew you for somebody who was just doing the interviews. And that, not that I was mad at what she said, but in my brain, I was like, oh, hell no. Like, I got to go, like, I got to go pop some shit because y'all not about to sit here and be like, I still run track, okay? I still got one more year on the collegiate circuit. So I'm just letting y'all know, do not forget about me, okay? I'm still here. There's a lot of people that was supposed to be running in the NCAA this year, our top hitters that ain't been racing. So when they come back, I'm going to be back too. So, you know, just wait, just wait. <laughs> uh, you you were like five minutes away from like finding Mark Wetmore and just shaking him and being like, if there's, <laughs> if there's an open lane, I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, but I don't care if I get dusted. Just put me on the track. <laughs> I have my spikes too. I have my spikes in my shoes, so I would have been ready. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Caitlin, thanks for jumping on here and unpacking all of the drama in the sprints and then recapping your weekend in Atlanta. Uh, you're going to be, what's the next meet? Let the people know the next meet that you will be at will be. 
trials of miles track night new york city i will see y'all in two weeks i'm gonna be doing some in stadium commentary i think with kyle too um doing some stuff on the broadcast um turning up the stadium and just having a great time so you know what y'all know where y'all gonna see me new york city that's my next stop so yeah and we're, do we're doing the broadcast on the city smack youtube channel where you can find all of caitlin's uh walk-in interviews all the interviews from track nights um and so much more to come thanks for listening we'll catch you guys next time